We are, we are in a series, Love Thy Neighbor, which is a series about relationships. And the reason we're talking about relationships is because they're not easy. And as a whole, we're not very good at them. Um, we think we are. And I'm not talking about dating relationships. I'm talking about just regular relationships. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about family. Uh, and, and I talked about this last week. When you're looking at relationships, one of the best things you can do to get ready for marriage is figure out how to have relationships now. But also on top of that, it's also something you look for in someone. Um, I've said this in the dating series before. Like if you are dating someone or going to marry someone who does not have a friendship or relationships outside of you, that's a problem. Um, you should have the ability to develop those relationships. And many times we get stuck in the idea, as soon as I found the one that I'm going to get married to, that person's going to be my all. Here's the problem, what we found, they can't be your all. Um, they can't be. Uh, they, you need more than just one person. You need more than just one friendship. And the way that God has wired all of us, wired the church, all of this, it's all about relationships. And so today we're going to be talking about communication. Um, and what that looks like. And really, I want to go back to the verse we used last week, which is something, it's just a reminder. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is just a reminder at this idea. Many times you'll hear things in church. You'll be like, God wants you to do this. God wants you to do that. Here's what we try to do. We go, okay, I'm just going to do that, or I'm not going to do this. Well, God, God's not telling you, hey, just stop doing this and start doing this. God's saying this, give it to me, uh, give me your heart, then I will change the way you think, I will change your heart, and then through that relationship, things will change. And what happens is in a message, things are brought up, then you give it to God, and then he's the one that can help you do this. I gotta be honest with you, this message is very convicting to me. Um, when we're talking about communication, this is something that I will say girls are normally much better than guys. Um, and this is one of those messages where I'm going to speak a lot of truth, and then I'm gonna go home tonight, and I'm gonna be laying next to my wife in bed, and she's gonna be like, so are you actually going to do what you said tonight? And I will say, I don't, What? Um, and then I'll act like I'm asleep. It, it's perfect. It happens every time. But this is something that is, this is something that's so important and it's something that's lost. And what's happened in our culture is communication has gone to such a bad place where it's actually become like most of our talk, it seems like is vile and hurtful. Um, a lot of, you found this, that we can't even have conversations anymore without people getting mad at us and yelling. I mean, I talked about this last week, but in the political realm, you can't have a political conversation without somebody calling you Satan. Like it is, it's just awful. In fact, if you go, if you just, if you feel up to it, uh, I get most of my news online. I don't watch the news. Uh, I, I get online. And so you just go to the comment part of any news story. And it starts off with somebody saying, I don't believe this. And then I don't believe it. But then all of a sudden, like I literally in one of them, somebody said, your mom is ugly. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is no longer a political conversation. Like, how did, how did that get to this point? But that's what happens. We've gotten to a place in society where we, we feel incredibly free to just annihilate people to just go after them, to just say things that are awful. And I think part of the reason why is because of the rise of technology and, and all the things that we are, we, we have stopped seeing people as people and we started seeing people as just objects. I mean, it's the same idea in driving, right? You don't see a person in a car as a person, do you? I mean, think about it. Like when they cut you off, you don't see that person as someone who has a job and has three kids that are yelling in the back and has had a hard time and like somebody just died in their face. Like we don't see a person. What do we see? We see an evil object. 
Like they are Satan's minion, they just cut me off. Like we immediately go to that point. And so we, we see people that way, we see them as objects. It was the craziest thing the other day. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. I saw somebody like literally just cut right in front of somebody and then the other person pulled alongside and they start yelling at each other, which is always funny when both windows are up. It's like nobody's hearing anybody and I doubt anyone can read lips. Well, certain words probably can understand, but it's like they're yelling at each other and then the one guy pulls out in front and they're behind each other and there's a red light. And so they're stopped, which is an awful moment when you've just had an argument. And so I'm right in front of them. I look back and the one guy gets out of his car and I'm like, oh, and I'm immediately, you know, it's one of those things when, when girls say guys don't have anything going through their minds, just put them in like a, a scenario where they may have to be a superhero and we're thinking about everything. I'm going, all right, how big are the guys? I could definitely take them. What if they have a gun? All right, what is it in my car right now that I can use as a weapon? Like I'm looking around, I'm like, should I just videotape this if this comes up in a trial? Like I'm going through my mind. The guy literally walks up, he knocks on the window. The guy looks over, he's like, and the guy as kindly as possible, goes, hey, um, you cut me off back there. And uh, I just want to say, watch out when you're doing that. I saw you're on your phone. Uh, I just want you to pay attention. And the guy literally was like, like he, had, he didn't know what to do. I'm sitting there going, I don't, I don't need to videotape this. This doesn't, this doesn't mean anything. Like it was just, it was a weird moment where you saw what normally happens is something that escalates where somebody decided to look at somebody as a human, not as just an object. And so that's the problem is no longer do we see the person many times. And so what we have to do is we have to change the way we think. We have to decide that communication is something more than what we've made it so simplistically. Uh, I'm going to give some research in this. There's some psychologists that are much smarter than me that have basically developed like what are the four levels of communication. Um, the first one is the one that we tend to stay on the most. That's surface level. That's like saying hi um, nodding when somebody walks by, talking about the weather, talking about a movie, like just things that aren't real. And what, that, what allows us to do that is technology. Technology allows us to say surface level. Because if they say most of our conversation is in body language and tone, if we take away that, like how much do you understand through a text? I mean, how many times have you texted something and somebody has been like, I don't, or taken it the wrong way or not understood it? And we stay surface level. It's very normal for that to happen. But then we, sometimes we go to that next level, which is general information. This is kind of like where we go, all right, um, let me give you some information. Let me give you instructions. We to, to, choose to kind of stay here. We don't talk about anything real. Although some of us have developed this, and I, and I know some of you will get me right off the bat. Some of you will be like, I, I've never heard of this. We, 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 we stay surface, but we all have like that one story or two stories that we tell that sounds really deep that people go, oh, you're getting real, but we're, we don't care about. Yeah, so some of you like smirked. Yeah, I had somebody last night just go, ha, and I was like, yep, it's you. Uh, but we do, we've, we've found ways of seeming like we're going deeper, but we're still saying surface. Things that it's not a problem to us. And what has to happen, if we want to get past these two points, what has to happen, one, the person listening has to want to hear it and the person talking has to feel comfortable saying it. And that's why I was at a, I was at a conference one time and a guy was talking to a bunch of singles and he was talking about the guys especially. He goes, guys, when you're dating, there's four most romantic words you can ever say. And everybody's thinking, oh, will you marry me? That's, that's the most romantic. He goes, no, here's the four most romantic words. And then what happened? And then what happened? Why? Because that shows that you actually care about what they're saying, right? And that's the problem. Here's what happens most of the time. We start off stories, we say things, and then we look to see what their response is. And most of the time, we don't get a response that says, I want to know more. 
Most of the time we get a response that says, that's cool, here's my story. And so if we want to go to that next level, we have to learn to ask questions. We have to learn to be a safe space. And the next level is a little bit tough for us guys, especially deep feelings. Actually sharing feelings. And here's the problem with feelings, is we know this in our heart. We know that our feelings aren't always right. We know that. And so we don't always want to share them because every one of us in this room has been in a moment where we've shared feelings and somebody said that's unfair, that's not real, and gone after us. Here's the truth about feelings. They may not always be right, but they are real to you. They may not always be right, but they're real to that person. And we should have people in our lives that are safe enough so that when we share our feelings, they don't blow up at us. When we share our feelings, they, they are okay with it. We need people in our lives. We need to be a person in people's lives that when they say, you make me feel this way when you do this, we listen and we respond. This is not easy to do. In fact, normally this is where when people try to go deeper, it gets shut down right away because feelings are tough. Feelings aren't easy. Feelings don't always make sense, but we have to get to a place where we can be a safe place and have people in our lives that are safe enough so that we can actually share them. Because once we get past feelings, we get to the, to, to the lowest level, which is our deep needs, which is where we actually share our innermost, what we really need in life. Because the truth is, how many friendships, how many family members have you ever gotten to a point where you actually feel open enough to go, this is what I really need, knowing that they won't use it against you at another time? This is what I'm really looking for. This is what I'm looking for. Not that they're looking to fulfill it, but you're sharing with someone so they understand you at the deepest level. This is what I look for. This is what I'm, this is what I'm craving. And this is what I need in my life. See, we want to get to that level, but most of us don't because there's so many barriers that we have. There's four main barriers to communication. The first one is one that we've all done. It's withdrawal. And with technology, this is easy. I didn't see your text. Like, yeah, you did. I saw the four dots. No, no, no. I didn't, see the, I didn't see the text. We withdraw. We literally, we go, okay, that's fine. We walk away or we just decide to stop talking. And here's what withdrawal is. Withdrawal is deciding that the problem is more important than the person. Withdrawal is saying the argument is more tiring than that person is worth. That's why withdrawal is so, it, it is so hurtful when it actually happens. Because when someone withdraws from you, it's like they're literally saying, I would rather not deal with this I care more about being mad than I do about you. But it happens all the time. And, and both Chrissy and I have both done this where we've decided to be quiet or silent for a period of time. And when Chrissy does it, I've started to do something incredibly annoying. Um, she will get silent and mad. And so I will go up and I will wrap her up in like the biggest body hug that she can. And I won't let her go until she talks. And some of you are like, oh, that's so nice. No, it's not. no. <laughs> Like she gets mad. Like if she was talking to me, she'd be cursing at me, but she's not talking to me, so it's good. But like, I would just, why? Because I just want, because once talking happens, what happens? You can actually solve something. But what do we do? We withdraw many times because we have friendships that we no longer talk to, not because we know why, but somebody withdrew. Somebody just decided to walk away. And if withdrawal doesn't work, a good one that some of us like to go to is escalation. Some of you realize that when you yell, you can win conversations. That's where we decide that winning is more important than the relationship. And here's the deal. We can win a lot of conversations, but here's the problem. In relationships, it's about somebody's heart. So when you escalate, you may win, but you lose their heart. It's like winning the battle, but losing the war. But we do this. We escalate. We start to yell. We start to get loud. Here's an interesting fact, and I don't know what it is for girls. I wish I knew. But they, they did a study, and they say when guys in, a, in an argument, their heart rate gets above 100 beats per minute, they lose the ability to have rational thought. 
So girls, if you want to bring that up while he's yelling, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but here's, here's why escalation doesn't work. One, it stops whatever's happening right there. In fact, some of you have, been, have gone to open up to someone and they escalate and you're going, fine, fine. I'm going to walk away from that. And then some of us go to the next level, which is very hurtful, which is belittling. It's I can't win. I can't raise myself up to win, so I'm going to lower you. And, and here's what you find with many people is belittling starts with the person that they're in the argument with, and it spreads to everybody else in their life. And what we do is we decide, I, I can't get there, so I'm going to ra- make everyone go lower. That's why social media is such a horrible place. That's why some of these things, these message boards and all these places are so bad is because there's a bunch of people in there that can't win an argument and are taking it out on everybody else. It's where we look to bring other people down. And then the last part, which is the worst, is false belief. Here's what false belief is. I realize I can't win, so I give you lies to change the way you feel about yourself. This is the moment where we're closest to Satan. Let me, let me, I just want to let that sit in first. I know that sounds weird, but when we decide, when we decide to tell somebody a lie and shape their mind who they are, and it's the opposite of what God says, we are literally doing Satan's job. That's what he does. He is the master of lies. His job is he goes around and he constantly tries to tell people, you are not who God said you were. And to win an argument, some of us, we turn to that. We go, you know what? I can't win, but I can change the way they feel about themselves. Guys, this is, this is a topic. When we talk about words, when we talk about communication, it's kind of like when we talked about gossip. It's something that we go, yeah, that's important, but we kind of brush over it. There is a weight to this. There is a weight to our words, and I don't think we realize how much it is. We realize it's when, it, when it's used against us, but rarely do we, do we weigh how much our words are coming out. I mean, here's what's crazy. In the Bible, it actually says every word you say, you'll be held accountable for. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, And I tell you this, you must give account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. I mean, think about it this way. We know this. You're a product of the words that were spoken over you, good or bad. You're a product of the blessings that were spoken over, over you and pretty much the curses that were also. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I had an incredible upbringing. Um, my parents weren't perfect, and there's definitely things they did I could go to counseling for. But most of their words were definitely those of encouragement. There were words where they wanted me to succeed. There were words telling me what is possible. I mean, when I, when I spoke in the main service, they're still coming out. They're driving over and, you know, afterwards just giving me a hug and saying how proud they are of me. I mean, I think about the times and the leaders in my life that have done that. I mean, the times where I need it the most, middle school, high school, right? Middle school is the most awful time of anyone's life, I believe. It's just horrible, just a horrible time. And I remember having people just come around me. I had youth leaders. One of the first one was a guy named Charlie Moulter, who was actually an incredible guitarist. But I was, I was traveling with him to youth camp, and we, he just decided, he goes, you know what, How I want to pray for you right now because I feel like God's going to use you. I remember that. I remember my, my leader, uh, my high school leader named Randy, who regularly would pull me aside and just pray for me and say, How I don't know what it is, but God's going to do something. And even while I was in ministry, I had a guy like Eddie Hill, who was one of my small group leaders, who said, how I don't care what's happening out there right now. I don't care what it is that you think you feel, but God's got something for you. I mean, think about that. The ability that we have to take somebody from the edge of feeling it's not possible to feeling it is. 
I mean, that's, that's God's work right there. That's the point where we get to show people and we get to choose our words in such a way that we can do that. Think about it this way. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence, right? God used words to bring the world into existence. We have the ability to use our words to change the world around us. I mean, what happens when you walk up to someone who's incredibly positive? You smile, right? Because you know they're gonna say something good. Like, you know that's what's going to happen. What happens when you walk up to someone who's negative in a bad mood? You know what's about to happen. Like, you just kind of, maybe you go into that sarcastic phase and you're like, oh, great, this is what's going to happen. We have the ability just by being positive, just by being encouraging, just by controlling our words with our coworkers, with our family, to literally change the world that's around us. But we actually have to use them. George Bernard Shaw, who was a playwright, said it this way. And I think this is an incredible quote. He said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Let me say that again. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. See, in communication, we actually have to be intentional. So many times I think we choose not to say things because we go, oh, they don't need to hear it or they already know it. Or that's something, I'm sure they understand that already. See, we have an opportunity through our words to change somebody's world, to change the way they view themselves, to help them understand the way God views them. So what I want to do right now is I want to give us, I'm going to give seven ways that you can do a better job of this. Just pick one as we're going through it. Just pick one. But there's seven things that we can do that if we go to a person and we do this thing, we have a way to change their world. The first one is this, it's praise. And here's what I mean by praise. Praise is I look at the things you're good at. I look at the ways you're gifted and I affirm that in you. We don't do this enough. Here's why. Many times we go, well, they already know they're good at that. Or if I tell them they're going to get a big head. What do you think Satan goes after when he goes after people? Somebody's giftings. What do you think people doubt the most? Their giftings. What we need to do as Christians is we need to decide, I'm going to look into somebody's life. I'm going to see what they're good at. I'm going to see where God is pushing them. And I want to make sure they understand that they are gifted in that and God is pushing them towards that. Proverbs 25, 11 says it this way. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Our words have the ability to be both beautiful and value, invaluable. We have the ability to add value to someone's life. It's amazing how just the smallest bit of praise can propel us forward, right? I mean, you guys have all been there before. We've been there. We've had a bad day. We've had a bad moment. And somebody just comes by and says, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I saw this or you did this, or you're still incredibly good at this. It changes everything. And that's why I think it's so important too, as we, as we move forward as young adults, that we look back and go, okay, who can I affect? I mean, that's why we've, we talked about getting involved in class, which is our youth camp, getting involved with our kids, all those things. Because imagine what it would be like if someone your age right now went back to your middle school self and told them that I see something special. How would that change the way you saw yourself? How would that change the way that you viewed what's possible and what God can do in your life? How different would that be? So we can praise people. The second one is thankfulness. And I've talked about this before. But thank, being thankful is just so important. It's something that we want. It's something that we, we, we need in our lives. And the reason we need to be thankful, one, people need to hear it. Two, we're most likely not to be thankful with the people that do the most anyway. I mean, I still remember when my mom used to make my lunches when I was in 
elementary school and she used to, she, she put the napkin in there and there usually be like a little note, like I love you mom or you're my best son. I'm like, I'm your only son and I love you more than your sister. She didn't write that, but I always wanted that. I always wanted that one. But, it, but I remember I'd, I'd, I'd read it and always, it made you feel good. I also wanted to hide it at the same time so nobody would see it because people would see it and go, ah, oh, your mom loves you. And I'm like, yeah. But I remember I told my mom, like, somebody made fun of me, so she didn't put in my lunch. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I remember going home, I'm like, mom, no, no, that, I still want them. I said, but it was one of those things where in a moment she goes, okay, what I'm doing is not needed. He doesn't like it. It was the moment that I was thankful. She goes, okay, I'm going to continue to do this. We, we need to remember to be thankful so that the people around us understand that what they're doing matters to us. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, says, death and life are the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. With much, with little effort, it, we can add so much value to someone. And this next one is tough and it's affection. Um, this is where we use words that mean a little bit more. This is where the word love comes into play. And some of you are like, ooh, nope. Never even said it to my dad. I'm not saying it to anybody else. Like, you know, it's that, it's that ability to say, I love you, I care about you. And for guys, we just say, I love you, man. And it's just, it's good. If you include the man at the end of it, we're good. Nobody's like, it. But, but it is. It's that ability to say love. Why is love such a powerful word? Here's why. I mean, think about it. The entire idea of God and Jesus, why did Jesus die for us? He loved us. Why did God make a way for, because he loves us. That's what we look at. We're like, man, God loves us this much. Our relationships here on earth are supposed to mirror that of us and God. And so there is a point where we need to be able to communicate and other people to know that we love them, which means we care about them enough that we are actually wanting them to succeed and we're willing to sacrifice to help them get there. So affection is a big deal. The next one is encouragement. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good, as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Here's what's interesting. Just about everything we com- that comes out of our mouths is not neutral. Very little that comes out of our mouths is neutral. Usually everything that we say in some way or another will either tear down a little bit or bring up. It has the ability to move somebody forward or take somebody back. Encouragement is that reminder that every word that I can say, every time that I have an opportunity with that person, I can say something that makes them move forward, that makes them feel like it's possible. Encouragement is something that I literally have gotten to the point that there are moments in my life where I decide, okay, I'm going to encourage 10 people today. And I purposely do that. I lay it out. Why? Because it's not natural. It's not natural for me to just go around and encouraging everybody. Maybe for some of you it is, and you, you are just closer to God than I am. And that's awesome, but it's not natural. It's something that I want to do. It's something that many times after I talk to somebody, I'm like, I should have said that. But guess what? Saying I should have said that doesn't help anybody. We have to actually talk to them and tell them. Here's this next one. It's kindness. Here's, here's what this means, and here's what I mean with, with kindness. Here's what kindness is. It's creating a safe environment for someone to be real. Not many of us have this in our life. It's being the person that they can come in, unload, and they know they're not going to be yelled at. They know they're not going to be picked apart. They know they're not going to have a ton of sarcasm coming their way. They know that they can be honest and say exactly what's going on, and it's safe. Everyone needs this type of place, and everybody needs to be this type of place for someone. Guys, think about how important this is in those moments Think about, I mean, the times where we get most in trouble many times is we go through those moments where like, who's our safe place? Like, I don't have anybody. I might as well call an ex, which is always a bad idea. 
but we do. That's how much we crave a safe place, right? That's how much we want someone that will listen to us and actually hear what we have to say. Proverbs 51 says this way. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Guys, it's, it's not that we're letting them dump and we're going, yeah, everything you're doing is great. Guys, we need to create a safe place so that we, they can realize we're a safe place so that we have the influence to actually tell them the truth. Now, when we tell them the truth, it's speaking truth in love. Here, here's what speaking truth in love is. It's, I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm not going to use force or intimidation to make sure that you do it. I'm not going to guilt you into it. I'm not going to say it in a harsh way. I'm going to be honest with what's going on. And the grace part comes in and says, this is the way that you get there. This is the way that it's possible. Ephesians 4.15 says it this way. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Here's what's crazy to me. Jesus would walk into parties with people that, I mean, they literally said, we're doing the worst things. And nobody got mad and kicked him out. Like, nobody was like, man, that Jesus is so judgmental. And it's not like Jesus didn't tell them, hey, you probably shouldn't do this. He did. I mean, he was at a party and he told Matthew what he was doing. He talked to tax collectors and said, hey, this is what's wrong. But he did it in such a way. He gave truth with grace in such a way that it allowed them to hear it. Because when we give to give the truth, it's not good. With grace without truth is mean. It's just, you're a bad person. There's no way out. That's what truth is without grace. Grace without truth is meaningless. Grace without truth is what we've seen many times. It's where people just go, oh, whatever, that's fine. It's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's fine, you just keep doing that. Oh, little Johnny, you just burned down the house. We, you're, you're good. No, that's, it's meaningless. It doesn't do anything. Here's what, truth and grace. I heard somebody say this, this is perfect. Truth and grace is medicine. Because what does medicine do? Medicine goes after the problem and helps heal you. Truth with grace allows you to see the problem and allows you to see the out, which is the ability to heal. Truth and grace allows you to allow someone to heal through it. It allows us to actually give someone the hard things that we need to tell them, but in a way that they actually receive it. Here's, here's the last thing, which is the, I think it's the point that we need to stay on for just a second, that's prayer. I think many times we're in conversations where we just need to stop and pray. In fact, here, here's what I believe. I, I think many times when you're going up against a wall and it feels like nobody's budging and nothing's happening, it's probably a point where you need to go to the God that is, only is the only person possible that can actually change somebody's heart. Because here, here's the thing. We can use a lot of words. We can tell somebody a lot of the truth. But if God doesn't change their heart, it doesn't matter. You're not going to change somebody's heart. We, we try to. We try to manipulate and we try to push and we try to use a lot of things to change somebody's heart. But the only person that can do it is God. So many times in the moment of trouble, in the moment where it seems like everything's going crazy in a conversation or the moment before we walk into it, the thing we ought to do is just stop and go, can we pray? Can I pray for you? There's not much more disarming than that. I mean, even if somebody's a non-Christian, what's crazy to me is I, I've never met a non-Christian when I said, hey, can I pray for you? They're like, okay. Like, that's good. I mean, at the least of it, they see it as like a four-leaf clover. <laughs> like, that's fine. Yeah, go for it. But it's something that it breaks down walls. We, we forget many times that the only way these relationships are possible was with God. Because we take God out of the equation, we see what happens with relationships. The only way this is possible, and we go through all these things, and I'm going to bring it all the way back here. Guys, it's only possible for us to act this way and have these kind of relationships when we put God first there. 
when we allow God to change our heart. Because once God changed our heart, that's when we start doing these things the right way. If we just try to do these things on our own strength, we get tired and we stop. When we allow God to change our heart, it becomes a part of our lifestyle. Because our words carry so much depth. They allow us to start relationships. They cause relationships to end. And as we use them better, we actually have the ability to develop a relationship where we can be truthful, where we can be honest, where we can have our feelings out in the open, and we can actually tell people what our deepest needs are. And it's a safe place where we have somebody, literally, who is representing a relationship that is that of God in our life here on earth. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you that uh, you... You want to help us. God, I thank you as we look at relationships and they can be so complicated. Friends, and then you bring in family and it can get even more complicated. God, I pray that we don't try to just tackle this on our own. We don't try to solve these things ourselves. We don't just give up either. God, I pray that we put these things before you. We allow you to change our hearts. And God, I pray that you would show us and nudge us in the way of helping those around us, praising those around us, encouraging those around us. And God, I pray right now, that if we don't have one, that we would pray for it, or you would just show us the people in our life should be, that should be the ones closest to us, that should be the ones that we look to. God, I pray that you should show us the people in our lives right now that we need to create safe, space, safe spaces for. God, I pray that we become the type of friend, the type of godly relationship that they need the most in their life. God, I pray that because of our relationships, the people around us succeed more. Because of our relationships, the people around us know who they are in Christ. Because of our relationships, God, we feel like whatever you say is possible. God, we thank you that we have that opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.